KTX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Speaking of floating aimlessly up and down the Allegheny, let's talk about the Pirates. It's opening day tomorrow, and it just hit me during that 30-second timeout. I haven't talked about baseball once. Maybe that's why it's been such a good show. I talked about pit basketball voluntarily extensively this week many, many times before even thinking about talking about baseball. Am I wrong? Am I doing you? You! You, I say, the ex-listener, a disservice by not talking about baseball with opening day coming up tomorrow. At this time tomorrow, the Pirates will be in the middle of their first of no doubt 162 consecutive losses. And if you would like to talk about that, we can. I just don't know that you want to. And when I say talk baseball, I mean talk baseball. Andrew McCutcheon ain't coming back. Garrett Cole ain't coming back. Barry Bond sure as hell ain't coming back. And I don't know how we talk about baseball without talking about that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, that's at the point where we are now. We have to now be talking about the team or we're not talking about them because nothing else is going to change. We've said our piece. We've bitched. We've moaned. We've complained. And nothing has changed. They didn't reverse course. They didn't respond and say, uh-oh, we made a mistake. We traded Kutch and Cole. Let's go out and get some good guys and pad the payroll. Stunningly enough, that didn't happen. The only thing that happened since then is that Frank Coonley and the pirate parrot got into some political hot water. That's the only news that's come out, basically, of notes surrounding the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, look, I'm, I haven't been doing this on purpose, I swear. It's not a statement. It's not a protest. I wasn't going to reveal at 5.56 tomorrow, my last day filling in for Mark, that I intentionally stayed away from talking baseball because, damn it, I wanted to make a point about my outrage of the Pittsburgh Pirates. I just haven't thought of it. It just didn't cross my mind. Like, I don't want to talk about whether or not Colin Moran should be batting eighth. It's not that big of a deal to me that they're only going with four guys on the bench. I think it's stupid, especially when you're going with 13 bullpen guys, most of whom aren't all that good. I just It doesn't move the needle for me. I can't wrap my brain around the notion of talking about X's and O's and lineups and righty-lefty and Polanco third versus Marte sixth. But if you want to, you can. I just want you to know I'm not doing it on purpose. 412. 412- 333-9939. I have been talking about the Pens, speaking of not being very good. They've lost five of nine, and there are a myriad of reasons why. The PK hasn't been good. The defense overall hasn't been good. The forwards haven't been good defensively. The defensemen haven't been good defensively. The goaltending hasn't been up to what it was in the past, and they stink on the road. I posed this question. We got a lot of response to this earlier in the show. I didn't get to everybody. So if you couldn't get through before and you want to now, please do. But of all those things, what is actually worrisome to you? And, and let's not get bogged down in, well, they're just trying to grind through the regular season and get to the playoffs. Because if you think the analysis is that simple, then we really don't need to talk hockey until the first round starts. And I know that Penguin fans hate to hear that. They hate to feel like their sport's being bypassed over for, like I just said, a bad baseball team and a football team that's 
months away from playing in a basketball team that just came off of an 0-19 season. So if you want to talk about hockey, I just don't want to do it under the shroud of, oh, the regular season is meaningless. Because uh, I don't think you think that all this is meaningless. I, I really don't. I don't think all of you think that all of this is meaningless. There's got to be something beyond just their grinding through the regular season. Even if you are someone who thinks that most of the problems of the Penguins are right now, they're just not laser-focused and they're so used to winning in the postseason they don't have to take this stuff at the end of the regular season seriously. Some of what you have seen, like for me, it's the defensive play overall. Not just the defense men, but the defensive play of the forwards too. The defensive play overall for me is a major point of concern. Above the goaltending, above the PK specifically, above the poor play on the road. And I don't know that that just goes away when the playoffs hit, especially without Ian Cole and now having to turn to either Matt Hunwick or Chad Ruida. Like, if you hear Mike Rupp, who just came on with us a half hour ago, say, hey, you know what the best answer might be? Let's put Hunwick back in the lineup. Whoa. 412-333-9939. And the last point to reset for you as we get to the calls here, the last point to reset, if you missed this quote from Aditi Kinkawala on the NFL Network, you got to hear it. Apparently, Lev Bell's contract demands have actually, in a way, gone up. Le'Veon Bell wants $17 million a year. He wants to be paid exactly like Antonio Brown is paid. I was just told earlier today, it's not about the guarantee. It's about the per year average. He wants to be paid like Antonio Brown. Why does that matter? Why does that matter besides ego? It doesn't. That's just an ego thing. Last year, he made more sense last year. He must be getting high again because he's smoking himself stupid. He made more sense last year when he sounded dubious about how the money was put out there in that alleged $42 million over three years offer, about how the money was guaranteed. That I bought. This is stupid. Why does it matter to you what the AAV is when the AAV can change or if the lack of guaranteed money isn't there, you're making a great average annual, but you don't make enough on the back end. You know what? If I'm the Steelers, you know what I said? Okay, Lev, tell you what. We'll give you, you want 17 a year? Fine, fantastic. Uh, 34 million two years. We'll just give it to you. 34 over two. Go ahead. We'll play these last two years. We're going to run you silly. You get your 17 million average over two years, and then we turn you loose. They can afford that. You know, they might have to do a little finagling for this year, but next year they can afford that. Cap's going to go up again just like it did this year. They can figure something out. Go ahead, do it. Make everybody happy. And then turn them loose after that, and you know what? He probably ends up making less than he would have if he had just signed your deal in the first place. I'm being a little facetious, but I'm just... This is not the point where all of a sudden you say, optics matter, and I'm going to make the price go up. Now you're just screwing with people. Tomcat from Mount Lebanon, you're up first. Hi, Tomcat, you're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim, I didn't want to talk about Le'Veon, but my dream is that the Steelers are in the Super Bowl up 21 points, and he signs the tag, and they're running him into the ground, and he doesn't get paralyzed or anything like that. But oh, well, that's, that's, that's noble of you. That's big of you. Not rooting for <laughs> paralyzation. That is a, you're just, a big guy, Tomcat. Just, just a knee injury, and then he walks away with nothing, but... I wanted to uh, to talk about the Pirates and some actual baseball. Um, I don't think this team is as bad as everyone says. Um, if I had to throw a record out there, I'm going to say 81 and 81. I think Mark Mark hit the nail on the head earlier. Dickerson is McCutcheon offensively. Um, 
And, you know, there's some guys coming back. They're not terrible offensively. And Garrett Cole has been a bomb. And I think they can find somebody to throw a 3-7 ERA and lead, lead baseball in home runs. I think hermetically uh, sealed, 100%, everything goes right, they're 80 and 82. And that's talking about Tyon is healthy most of the year. Nova is at least what he was at the start of last year. Uh, Williams and Cool take a step forward. Polanco pulls his head out. Marte stays off the stuff. Uh, Moran doesn't stink at first base. I think a perfect season in all that regard is getting them to one game under five hundred. I actually think they're five games less next year. But, hey, you're a noble guy that's forward-thinking, that's not rooting for a paralysis. So, hey, you know, obviously you're an optimist. Josh and Beaver, you're on 105.9 The X. Hi, Josh. Hey, yo, what up, Tim? Um, hey, I was just calling on, I've been a diehard Penguins fan my entire life, diehard Steelers fan, and, you know, I always grew up going to the Pirates games and, you know, let's go Buckos. But I honestly feel like I'm just being suckered in and guilt-tripped into being a Pirates fan nowadays. And the only reason I listen to the show is to hear about talk, hockey talk, you know, and, and I feel like it just takes away from that hockey talk when we talk about such a bad team such as the Pirates. Uh, I agree. I mean, it's like I'm not going to serve the hockey agenda because I'm intentionally not talking about the Pirates if I find them interesting. But at some point, the... They don't spend enough, so I'm mad about it. Talk becomes just as disinteresting as who are they going to play in left field and who's going to bat sixth versus fifth. You know, the unfortunate part, I guess I'm underscoring the unfortunate reality of they're back in this cycle of baseball doesn't matter. And you know, I remember like whether or not Lloyd McClendon should be fired, okay, back in the day. It's like, how do you evaluate how good of a job the manager is doing when you got that lineup to put out there every day? And now we're getting to that ter- territory again with Clint Hurdle. Brian calling from the car. Go ahead, Brian. Yes, hi. I wasn't calling about this, but Pirates 68-69 wins. Um, Tim, I really believe the biggest issue with the Pens right now is that they cannot win on the road. And the concern there is not that they're not winning, but the fact that they are losing by wider margins than I would expect. Yeah, 5-2 like against five Detroit, two. bad team. 4-1 against the Islanders, bad team. Blew a lead when they were up 3-1 against the Rangers, MSG, during the night of our great Pittsburgh sports debate two weeks ago. Uh, bad team. So, yeah, uh, when they're playing a good team, even one that tends to choke things away, guess who I'm talking about, at home, <clears throat> Washington, um, that good team is in front of you to the point where maybe you don't come back if you catch my drift. And you know, generally speaking, the home stuff on the road, I don't worry about. Home, Sorry, the home stuff, road stuff in the playoffs, I don't worry about. But with them being this disproportionately bad, they were exactly a 500 team on the road the last two years. If you take away the OT losses and just call them losses, they were 41-41 and 41 last two years on the road. This year, they're now nine games under on the road. That's, that's significantly different. 412-333-9939. Uh, one line open, grab it now. Any of those three fronts, Pirates, Penguins, Steelers, even the Pitt basketball coaching search. When we return, what can the Steelers do if they're done putzing around with Lev Bell and his contract crap? That's next. Matt Williamson has answers. Coming up here on 105 Down the X. I've been saying since day one that there needs... And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark? Yes? I have a crush on you. What a gutless bitch the Hebrew hammer is. We keep the What a bubblehead. The X at 105.9. This segment of the Mark Madden Show is brought to you by Chipino. 
restaurant, cigar bar. It's the best in the city for seafood. Best chop house in the city as well, located in the Strip District, Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar. Mark out for another couple days. Dayon Kovacevic coming up in just a little bit. Tim Ben's in with you right now. So we played for you the cut before from Aditi Kikabwala of the NFL Network saying that Antonio Brown, excuse me, Le'Veon Bell's contract demands are now that he wants $17 million average annual value. Uh, then okay, then you want to say, okay, I just adjust the contract, say you're going to get an AAV and then end up paying him less and cut him. That's what I would do if I was the Steelers. But he he needs an AAV of 17 so he can feel like AB. Uh, that's what she reported today. Okay. So let's say the Steelers are just sick of this crap and they want to move on. Uh, I talked to Matt Williamson about that prospect. How do they handle that in terms of addressing either rescinding the tag and letting Bell walk or at the very least, preparing to not have him around next year? I've been saying since day one that their needs to me were inside linebacker first, safety two, and I think they basically solved that with Burnett, and I still think Sutton's going to move there and really solve it. Um, and then running back number three. You know, To me, is running back is clearly a need for several reasons. First off, Pitt people aren't going to want to hear this, but I don't trust James Conner at all right now and just to stay on the field or to be a quality number two. So I want a guy that either can be a number two now and make Connor my three, and doesn't mean Connor's a bust, or maybe be Bell's successor a year from now. So that's probably a, a second or third round pick. Right. Now, will those guys be available? I asked Matt that too. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's Tony Michelle, Chubb. Um, the kid from Auburn, Johnson, it's a deep running back draft. I mean, if you go to any list and look at the top ten or so, Barkley's obviously going to go off the, the board very, very early. I think Geis will probably be gone when the Steelers pick, but maybe if there's nothing else there, he's your first-round pick. I mean, he's worthy of that. And then there's a bunch of them in, this, in this, the second and third rounds, I think, are Quality guys, most of them catch the ball pretty well, too, which I think is going to be a prerequisite. But it's a very deep running back draft. And here's where the Steelers are kind of fortunate, I think, in the draft this year. It's a deep draft there, as Matt talks about. A lot of other teams are thinking quarterback high, like when the first 15 picks. And then after that, there are quite a few teams that are looking O-line where the Steelers aren't. And their number one choice inside linebacker, there's about four or five first-round worthy guys, at least two or three of whom should be available at the end of the first round. So they don't have to go with the running back there. And I think, and since the Steelers are also addressed secondary already in the offseason and in previous drafts, they don't have to worry about guys of that important ilk coming off the board until they get to running back either. So it actually lines up pretty good for them in that context. What really sucks, though, is, as I wrote about in the trip today, if you're someone that wants to see them potentially get Ben Roethlisberger's successor in the second round this year and groom him a la a Jimmy G, but play him a year earlier if Ben retires after three and Mason Rudolph is there, you can't take him now. You, you got to wait. As much as he's like my bro crush... You got to wait. Uh, and he is, by the way, dashing devil, I might point out, too. Let's go to Tim, who's calling from his car. Hi, Tim. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Tim. How's it going? Okay. So, I say if I'm the Steelers, you give them that $17 million average he wants and blah, blah, blah. Guarantee, like, 5 or $6 million of it. 
and then make him earn it. If he wants AB contract numbers, make him put up AB numbers. I mean, well, what do you mean by earn it, though? I mean, like when you build in incentives to a contract, they've got all those, what do they call it, likely to be earned incentives, unlikely to be earned incentives, and then it counts against you and your cap down the road thereafter. I mean, that's all going to be built in. I mean, like, everything you're talking about in terms of incentives will be built into that seven seven or that 17.5 that he's talking about already. Well, exactly, but he thinks he's a wide receiver. He didn't have 100 receptions last year. Make him get 100 receptions. Make him get eight or nine touchdowns, and he won't get them and won't get paid, and he'll get his five or six I, I don't know if they're in the best it. possible shape if they're giving him 100 receptions, though. I, I don't want to see him getting 100 receptions. I don't want them to have to go to him that often in the receiving game. I'd rather Martavis Bryant get open more often. You know, uh, here's what I would do. I'll make it simple. I'd lie to him about the math. Lev, we've worked out the math. You're making 17.75. Just like, what's he going to do? Check. Corey's calling from his car. Hi, Corey. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey, Sam. What's up? I was going to call about the Penguins. I just want to touch on what you were just talking with the previous caller about. Um, if, if I think you're absolutely right. If Bell needs to get 100 receptions, what's the point of paying A.B. that kind of money? You know, I think from the line of scrimmage, he's probably the best running back in the league as far as all-purpose yards go. But you can't expect your running back to catch the ball a hundred times and be paying another back, or I'm sorry, another wide receiver, seventeen million to be the wide receiver when he's going to be. Oh, and Corey, not only that, because you know what's going to happen next, right? Because then it turns into oh, oh, Lev just needed to ask for as much as I have. Well, then I'll ask for more next year, and then we do it all over again. And now he's running the ball and making the same money. Now he wants thirty. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, AB asks for more next year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's where it gets really dicey. But go ahead about the Penguins, real quick. to the Penguins real quick, and uh, we've talked about this before, it, it just seems like, well, I know the last two years, you know, they kind of started sluggish towards the third quarter of the season, and then towards the playoff push, they really excelled, and they got up to speed, and they had been the fastest team. This year, what we're seeing is, it's, it almost seems like they're slowing down even further from where they were before. I don't want to make it sound like it, I appreciate the call, Corey, because I think you're onto something. I don't want to make it sound like I'm suggesting their goose is cooked because I don't think that. I don't think that their deficiencies are so bad they can't overcome them. I'm just saying we have to acknowledge that may be the case. You know, like where they've been sound defensively in the past, where they've been able to rely on Flurry and Murray being great in goal and they can win the occasional 2 1 game in the postseason. I don't know if we can count on that this year. And this just might be a team where you got to work around deficiencies instead of having those problems work out in the playoffs as they so magically have each of the last two years. Dwayne calling from the car. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, Tim. You are spot on. Any Penguin fan that tells you that they are not worried about the Penguins is foolish. Yeah, I think they're whistling past the graveyard a little bit if they're doing that. Yep. Here's the deal. We have been living in hockey nirvana for the last two years. Ask any team in the league, would they have wanted to win two Stanley Cups back-to-back? They would have said, yeah, I'll give you my first child if that happens. But but the thing I would have given that, two, but that's just me. I've never wanted kids. Yeah, Go ahead. Exactly. And think about it. You got Phil Kessel. Never could really get it together in uh, any other, you know, Boston or Toronto. And now all of a sudden he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. The difference I'm not going to cook their goose either. But the thing is is that it it it, it takes that extra little Thing, and you've got to have it deep down to get past these rounds, to 
Yeah. Well, well, not only that, Dwayne, and, and we're a little bit late here, but not only what are you talking about with the extras and intangibles and, and yada yada, but they've played four elimination games. Like we got to remember that they've played four elimination games in this stretch, and they've won all four. And at some point, you're probably going to kiss the fire and not walk away whistling. <laughs> You know, you do that too often, and you tempt fate that often. Eventually, Mike Sullivan's going to lose an elimination game. It's going to happen. And uh, maybe this team just isn't as prepared to buttress itself against such odds. You know, maybe it just catches up to him this year. And maybe it's because of the issues we're talking about. 412-333-9939. Okay, when we come back, uh, we'll talk more Penguins. Dayan Kovacevic will join us, too, before we're done. This is 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, Mark. Sorry. I'm talking to my son. No one cares at all. No one. The X at 105.9. All right, a couple items here to wrap up. Uh, Stupid, nonsensical stuff that I care about myself, and maybe you don't, but I I get to do this from time to time when I fill in. All right, I'm lying. This is the X. Obviously, people are going to care about some of this because I was just perusing the full lineup now for Rock and the Range, which is out. We've known the bands for a while, but we now know when they're playing, which days. Uh, the full announcement is out there, rockandtherange.com. And this is a concert that I've always wanted to go to and I've never gotten to go to because the stinking hockey team is always so good. Yeah, so the Penguins keep going to the playoffs and deep in the playoffs, so I can't go. But this might align with potentially, potentially, Pittsburgh, Columbus, if they get to the second round, maybe? Yeah, second round-ish. Late second, early third round, Eastern Conference Final. If it lines up that it's Pittsburgh versus Columbus deep in the Eastern Conference playoffs, I'm going to be able to pull this off. Matt Free Stadium, which is Columbus Crew Stadium. I thought the soccer team was going to leave, but they're still there, huh? They've won their first three games. They're supposed to move to Austin, then it got blocked or something. Anyway, May 18th, 19th, and 20th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The first day, Friday, Allison Chains, A Perfect Circle, Breaking Benjamin, Machine Gun Kelly, Under Oath, and the reason why I'm going, Greta Van Fleet. So I would definitely go for Greta Van Fleet on Friday. Saturday, there's a bunch of bands that I'd see. I don't have to see, but I'd see. Avenged Sevenfold, Stone Sour, Three Days Grace, Bullet for My Valentine, and, well, Andrew WK. But I could just listen to them if they're playing here and the Penguins actually score a few goals. Atreyu, too. So Saturday's okay. Like, I'd see Stone Sour for sure. I'd absolutely see Stone Sour. Sunday, though, Tool and Godsmack on Sunday. Also, Stone Temple Pirate, uh, Pirates. Stone Temple Pilots. Stone Temple Pirates. I might know more people in Stone Temple Pirates than I do Stone Temple Pilots at this point. Who's singing? Bob, do you know who's the singer for Stone Temple Pilots at this point? Who is it? Do we know? <laughs> His name is Jeff. Actually, the name of the band opening up for Stone Temple Pirates is His Name is Jeff. So that's your lineup for the entirety of Rock and the Range. Coming up, the GM, Jeff Gutt. Oh, you were kidding. His real name is actually Jeff. Oh, I thought you were joking. Okay, real quick before I go, I got to get to this story here. You know Trevor Bauer, the pitcher for the Cleveland Indians? Trevor Bauer uh, went to arbitration. And he wanted to set his contract at $6.420 million. Like, basically, he wanted to make $6 bucks, almost seven. 
And if he didn't quite get there, he wanted to be funny about it and screw with people as it relates to the arbitration system because you have to set your own number. And he wanted his number to be public and embarrassing because he thinks that the arbitration system is stupid. So he set his contract at, play along with me at home here, kids. I think I found the level of the room here at the X after so many years. 6.420-9696969 million dollars. And I put the cents in there, too. So he got awarded it at 6.5. But he decided he was going to give away enough money anyway so that he could get his number down to what he requested. So he's giving away $98,027.61 in increments of, per day, 69, 420, 69. That's right. Every day, 68 days, that's the amount he's going to give away to the tune of $420.69. That is so Gronk level. Like I said, like... Even Gronkowski says, dude, don't you think that's a little bit immature? GMJR show next with Mark Recchi here on the X. The super genius, Mark Madden. You're like, what the hell? Hey, Mark. Hey, what? Super genius, big fan. It's Ringling Brothers time. DX at 105.9. Dan Kovacic from DKPittsburghSports.com joins me right now. Tim Benson for Mark Madden. The Walnut Grill giving you part of the 5 o'clock hour here of 105.9. The X's Mark Madden show. Mark, off the next couple days. I'm in with you. Dayon is in Detroit getting ready for the start of the baseball season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Dan, have you gotten your mind around let's talk baseball with the Bucks, or are you still focused on what happened with the roster the offseason? <laughs> well, I, I'm not at, at the spot where I can um, switch over. Actually, it's funny, as, as you called it, I'm working on my season preview column, and with every passing paragraph, I keep trying to come back to, no, 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 talk about baseball, talk about baseball. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, it's not easy to do, Tim. When people ask you, your season prediction, and you say to them, well, look, the roster that they have now, if they kept it together over the course of six months, I could see them being around 500, okay? But if they're around 500, they're going to blow it up even further. They're going to move Jay Hay. They're going to move David Freeze. They're going to move uh, – you, you never know whether it's a Marte or a Polanco or whatever it is if you go into total sell-off mode, at which point now your prediction is completely – Meaningless. Yeah, you're right about that, and I think that's a forgotten attribute when people do their predictions. We act like this is a roster we're going to see with cost certainty. I should say roster certainty, but because of the cost, they'll get rid of the most costly players unless for whatever reason they're 20 games above 500, and they're just not going to be that. No, no, and and and, and, that, and that's where you start having a really hard time with it. I mean, I didn't even mention Francisco Cervelli. Did you know he's their highest-paid player now? Yes, I did know that, yep. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that, that's where they are. Um, and with Elias Diaz having a you know really promising spring and everything, you can see him getting moved, obviously. So uh, how do you predict them? I don't know. How do you move on to actual baseball? I don't know. I'll tell you this, though. The feeling here in Detroit is that the Tigers are going to stink something special. Okay, this is going to be a really bad baseball team. So the possibility at least exists that the Pirates could open up here, uh, maybe not tomorrow. The weather forecast here is really ominous. Like mm-hmm. They're talking like 100% rain all day, so they might have to go to Friday. But 
if they start out well here and build up some kind of momentum and there isn't, you know, protests and everything else at the home opener, I don't know. I, I'm trying, Tim. Is that yeah. what you wanted to hear? <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying I wanted to hear anything aside from that. Well, you kind of agree with me that it's just hard to talk about actual it's hard. baseball. It is, man. It's hard. It really is. DKPittsburghSports.com, Dayon Kovacevic on the road as we get ready for the start of the baseball season in Detroit. Well, you just referenced it, Dayon, and let's pick it up from where you did. A bad team in Detroit and maybe trying to take advantage of that. I thought the Penguins would do that last night. They sure as heck didn't. Hopefully the Pirates do better than that. What was that effort from Pittsburgh last night against the Red Wings? Uh, I'm not sure effort's the word I'd want to use there, but I know what you're saying. Um, It was a a lack thereof. You look at the Detroit goals, uh, what the Red Wings did with Brian Dumoulin standing seven feet away uh, from Luke Lindenning on a rebound, uh, with the entire franchise, Penguins franchise, just watching the play out to Darren Helm on another Detroit goal that was the backbreaker. I mean, they just weren't into it at all. And, you know, I asked Mike Sullivan after the game last night, and boy, by the way, did he take a long time to come out. So he must have had quite the cooling off period. And when he did, uh, and I asked, you know, Mike, what's left to say? Uh, you know, everything's been said. And he gave one of those, you've seen it, Tim, because you've asked him questions like that, too, where he looks down and he's thinking, here's what I want to say. And then it kind of passes through the filter, and he came back with some stuff about how they need to do a lot better against New Jersey. Yeah, he, the, the, the jawbones, the mandible twitches three times, uh, then he comes up with something. Yes. It's, yeah, it's, it's more telling. Um, which is why we include video on the site for exactly reasons like that. We want people to see what those reactions are. And uh, he, he was furious. And, I, you know, we can say that a lot about him because, you know, we see his demeanor on the bench. I think this one was special. I, I think, Tim, that that was their low point of the season, worse than the thing with the Blackhawks or the Lightning or in Winnipeg, uh, because they actually need these points. I mean, if you look at the standings, yeah. this is this is, They're almost as close to the Panthers as they are to the Caps. It's funny because the Panthers have three games in hand, and the way they're playing, you can't rule out all six points in their favor, which would put them one point behind the Penguins, and they're the team that's out of the playoffs. Right, and I don't rule them 100% in. I think part of their problem is that they think that they are automatically going to make it, but I do think, Dayon, though, that the problems exceed that. I, I just don't think it's about a... Uh, bad attitude towards the end of the regular season and viewing it as a grind. I, I do think there are tactical issues that they just not may not be able to score around, if you catch my drift. Yeah, I do, and I also think if you want to get specific with it, it's, it's penalty killing right now. I mean, they're good for a power play goal against every night. It's a slam dunk. And, uh, both yesterday morning here and then last night again after the game, I spoke with Carl Hagelin, and he was really passionate about what has to happen in terms of everybody getting back into shot-blocking lanes, making up for Ian Cole being gone. Oli Mata told me the same thing. He said, look, we miss Cole. Uh, we always knew that we would, but at the same time, we're all capable of blocking shots. Uh, that's a big, big part of it in the PK. You know, uh, we, we give probably too much credit, I think, to tactics and breakouts and, and everything else that, that relate uh, and, and clearances when you're shorthanded. Ultimately, it just comes down to making sure that the puck stays out of the middle of the ice. Dale, let's get to Le'Veon Bell's latest contract demands, which are now apparently an average annual value of $17 million, so it could be just like A.B.'s. I can't even figure out anymore what he's asking for, let alone the amount of money. This is nuts. Why does that even matter to him? Well, 
Tim, you've dealt with him, okay? I've dealt with him. And you know and I know that if we walked up to him right now, just the two of us, and asked him a very similar question, that he could give us a completely different answer. Right. He tries to give you what you're looking for in an answer. And, and, and then, it like, yeah, to be. exactly. A lot of yeah. times it's not born from being a jackass, but the answers nah, come but, off that way because they contradict everything you said before. Like in this case, last year was about how are the guaranteed money's going to be allocated. Well, that made sense. This, this just doesn't make sense. Now, nah, that's a beautiful point, actually, because we all know people in life. Those are the, the people pleasers, you know, that they'll say whatever it is that the last person they talk to once, once they think that that's what they want to hear. Right. Um, and so he's talking, you know, with a national reporter, and he, oh, man, I could make national news here. Well, here's a dollar figure. It's not like that dollar figure ever came up. You can, you, you think that would have ever come up in a serious conversation with the Steelers? Or never mind the concept of equating himself with Antonio Brown? No chance. There's no chance. Unless Le'Veon Bell's agent is a complete idiot, that never gets discussed with anybody. Yeah, especially since it's counterintuitive to what the biggest problem was last year where he could have gotten a 13.1 million average annual value contract which was more than what the salary uh, the uh, franchise tag was at 12.5 and he said no because we didn't know what the how the dollars would be allocated in terms of guarantees. That's an actual logical argument. This just looks like an ego stroke. We're in for one long summer of this crap. And and it's going to go on, and it's going to take its twists and turns and everything else. I like what Kevin Colbert said this week in Orlando, where he just said, you know what, we're just putting that on the back burner right now. We've got the draft. We've got this and that. We hope Le'Veon comes to camp. If he doesn't, we'll deal with it then. Uh, They can only make the best offer that they can. There's obviously a lot of sentiment uh, in Pittsburgh, maybe even around the football world, that the Steelers have already gone above and beyond in that regard and would be better off using that money elsewhere. I'm not of that mind. I think you'd need Le'Veon Bell to win a Super Bowl. But, man, <laughs> it's kind of... No, I, I've said that the whole way through. I, I don't want to confuse. I'm like you, Dan, here, and insofar as I do not want to confuse the issue of him being too greedy with him not being worth it. Like, uh, I yeah, think he's I worth mean, it as an athlete, but I don't think anybody is worth the price that he's asking for, especially now when you're talking about this $17 million annual average value stuff. Yeah, and I think what has to be understood here, one of the reasons, one of the, the main reasons that I'm so much in favor of the Steelers finding a way to keep him is that you have an older group right now on offense. You have an older quarterback. You have an older and very experienced and smart offensive line. And they know how to block for Le'Veon, who is an unusual runner, to say the least. You know, with those delays and the way he hits holes, uh, never mind all the stuff that he can do additionally out of the backfield. You have, on top of that, a new offensive coordinator coming in and Randy Featner. And, yeah, Mike Tomlin suggested this week that there's going to be you know, a lot of the same playbook and everything else here. But the last thing you want to do on top of all that is to bring in some brand-new conventional running back and say, we're just going to do the running game completely differently this year. No thanks. No chance. Finally, Dayon, no band, no cheerleaders, same Golden Panthers, but a better (laughs) rollout of the coach, I thought, today from Pitt. How about you? Well, I'll take your word for it, since I obviously wasn't there to ask anybody to come clean this time. But look, I, I like the, I, I love the, I, I love the process that they went into it. I know they did a search firm again, but I know that it was a very basketball specific search firm that Heather like used. Uh, credit to her, credit to Chancellor Mark Nordberg. Uh, not only Patrick did they Gallagher. Step up, yeah, sorry, Gallagher. Yeah, geez. Uh, 
Not uh, come clean, Dayon. Who's the real chancellor? <laughs> on top of that, I mean, what they what they on top of the commitment that they made to the process, they also very obviously, as we saw, even uh, with the pursuit of Dan Hurley, they stepped up financially. And look, they learned their lesson. They learned it the hard way, unfortunately. But if Pete, if 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 Pitt can fill up the Pete again and make it the best sporting atmosphere in Pittsburgh of any sport, I really believe that when it's packed. Uh, this will all be over before long. I think more than anything, Dayon, what that money did, it wasn't so much buying Jeff Capel as it was buying time. In yeah, Jeff Capel, you, you buy time to get this program back on its feet because of his name recognition and the belief in him that I think a lot of the fan base would have as opposed to going out and getting a small conference coach X who happened to pull off a few upsets in the tourney this year. Yeah, it, it opened the field too. I, I think I think it opened their field of potential candidates. I also think, and don't laugh at this seriously, I think that it also might have kept some of those current players who were threatening to transfer out, and and they weren't all terrible. Okay, I mean, you watch Jared Wilson frame, you watch Shamil Stevenson, you watch Marcus Carr. These guys are, are pretty good basketball players with potential. You don't want to go to zero. Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. I buy that 100%. I'm not going to laugh at that because I've seen the schools that are looking at them and want to get them if they transfer. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I've seen Texas and Gonzaga and Xavier and Cincinnati on these lists of schools that are looking at Parker Stevenson and uh, at least Carr. Uh, and you know Luther complained. I mean, Jeff Capel even went so far as to point out, yeah, we got killed by Pitt here because there was some kid who was a freshman that went 4-5 or five and scored 10 points on us on the bench. And he knew who he was talking about. He was sitting right there yeah. in the audience in Luther. So, yeah, I mean, you keep three or four of those guys, at least you have a base from which you can then backfill the roster. And if you get four wins in conference this year, the prospect exists that you get eight the next year and maybe a sneak in as the last team out of the ACC. No, and that's – well, I'm not going to go that far. I mean, that, that's getting really optimistic. He'd have to have almost like a Keith Dambrot-level summer, like what would, what happened at Duquesne, to have that kind of transformation. And I don't know that he's going to go heavy on the transfer route. That might be tempting, but it's probably not the best way to build the program. Uh, I don't begrudge Duquesne for doing it, but I'm not sure it's the right way for Pitt. Look, it's a good hire. It really is. Uh, they did really well through the entire process. I thought they conducted themselves well. And ultimately, the best thing you can do when you make a mistake is learn from it and move on. Dayon, thanks. Appreciate the time. Enjoy Detroit the rest of the way, and we'll see you back here for opening day. All right, Tim. Thank you. Dayon Kovacevic, again, brought to us by the Walnut Grill from DKPittsburghSports.com. 412-333-9939. We'll come on back and wrap things up. We've found Rob Gronkowski's long-lost other brother. He's not on the Gronk bus, but he plays baseball. We'll tell you who it is and what we mean next on 105.9 The X.